Hello, thank you for downloading this episode of Chats Over Coffee with my yoga teacher. So if you don't know what this is, it's a podcast where the comedian Peter Brush, that's me, chats to his yoga teacher, and her name is Kayla McCormack, and you'll hear us both in a matter of mere seconds. I hope you enjoy the show. One thing I did do is, actually, I really need a wee. Can I do a wee? <laughs> you may leave. I'm sorry, I just, because I was on the exercise bike, I drank water continually through that, and then I drank loads when I got <laughs> off, and it's just caught up on me. It's bit. really funny, because I was actually late, even though you were late, I was late as well, but not as late as you, getting on, and I remember thinking, I need the loo, and if I don't go, Peter would just be like, Kayla, why didn't you just go to the loo? So you did it then? Yeah, yeah. God, yeah. Well, I could probably hang on, I suppose. No, no, go, go, go. I don't want you to catch a bladder infection. <laughs> I was told that, you know, like, um, men often wake up with erections. Yeah. I was told that's because the bladder fills up during the night and it presses against your prostate yeah. and that's why you... I have heard something similar. So how come, like, when you're on a long drive and you can't stop, the same thing doesn't... <laughs> Like, you, know, you never see someone, like, running into a service station with a hard-on and being like, where is the... <laughs> Do you? What, like, with a pillow over yeah, Exactly. <laughs> no, is that the reason? Or do people just say that so they're not embarrassed? Maybe. That's why I don't do car shares with other people on long journeys, so just in case. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, there was a bit around gonorrhea where they told people you could catch it from toilet seats. Oh, yeah. But you can't. You can't catch it from toilet seats. They just told people that so that they would go to the doctor and get it treated because they were people were getting too ill from it. So they started this rumor that you could catch it from toilet seats so that people would, so they wouldn't be as, as embarrassed or whatever about having this problem. <laughs> Maybe that's where that's come from. It's like, oh, yeah, it's because you need the loo. Uh, yeah. It's not because you're a horny bastard. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, okay, you yes. go. <laughs> if you believe in the saints and stuff, you're not meant to pray directly to God, are you? You're meant to find the correct patron saint that covers the area that you want to pray about and okay. ask for advice. So St. Valentine is the patron saint of love, isn't he? So right. if you have a love issue, you have to like pray to him directly, don't you? And is he going to sort it out for you? Is it like Allegedly, doing a love spell? But <laughs> I looked it up, and he's actually got quite a wide remit of stuff that he looks oh. after. Because he doesn't just look after love, he looks after... I think he's got a whole country to look after as well. Oh, gosh. He must be so busy. <laughs> he's got beekeeping as well. Oh. Yeah, so he's got so he's got a country. I think it might be Cyprus or something. He's got beekeeping and various other tasks. So you think, well, that's quite a busy department, isn't it? So yeah. I think you should be calling up some of the other patron saints and trying to get like get a bit of help. He's a victim of his own success. He's obviously very successful. Yeah. So they've given him more duties. But he he's going to call up and be like, "Hey, Saint Nick, you only work one day a year. Come exactly. over here and take this beekeeping off my hands." I don't know how many beekeeping problems there are, to be honest. Well, you never know. There was all that poison, so yeah, perhaps, that's true. perhaps yeah, the so. poisonous crops are giving him a hard time. <laughs> I mean, it just reminds me of working in NHS admin. Like one person's good at everything, so they just do everything, and then you've got a couple <gasps> of patron saints who do fuck all. Tell me about <laughs> and it. And they're probably paid the same, <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh, uh, that is. That's yeah. exactly it. That's exactly my experience. And I can't see Jesus bollocking anybody. <laughs> so he probably just lets the status quo stay the same. Oh, don't worry about it, Valentine. That's just Nick. It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to send you something the other day. Do you know who Steven Pinker is? 
That name sounds familiar. I don't know what he is. It's a neurologist or a psychologist. Is a professor or something. Okay. Writes books about how the mind works. I like him because, mainly I think, because I like his hair. He does have nice hair. I just, and he has I just absolutely <laughs> grey hair for like someone that's nearly 70. That's good. So that always endears me to someone, I think, one of my, one of my long-haired brothers. <laughs> Some people don't like him because cause he's like a, I don't know, if he's a classic liberal or something, but he doesn't really like the mm. uh, new left orthodoxies and things. Anyways, he's got a Radio 4 podcast at the moment about how mm-hmm. we think. It's basically all about our biases and blah, 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 blah. Stuff that I'm sort of quite interested in. Yeah, I quite like that kind of stuff. Well, you might enjoy the podcast then. Yeah. It's not as funny as this one. <laughs> obviously. obviously not, no. We touch on the same subjects in a slightly less creditable manner. <laughs> but there was, a, there was a specific episode about climate change and about mm. how the human mind is sort of not really well equipped to deal with the problem. I think a lot of it is because the human brain has evolved for I don't know how many tens of hundreds of thousands of years in the context of living in small tribes and groups and stuff. And then it's only since what agriculture was 10,000 years ago that you move into these larger societies and and the, Mm. the brain has not evolved quickly enough to deal with the new set of circumstances and we still have brains at work that old way. And so I thought, well, I was going to send that to you. Yeah. Bill Gates was on it. Oh. Because so, he's putting loads of money into innovation and stuff because he says it's the only way out. And that's I agree because I think that's more likely to happen than telling people they can't do stuff. We talked about Arnold Schwarzenegger, didn't we, in his interview? I think we did, actually. He did an interview. It was kind of recently. It was just before COP. It was actually really good, and he was talking about, like, the vocabulary people use when they talk about climate change and stuff, and he was saying, like, we just we just need to change it. Like, if you don't change it, people aren't going to get on board. He's like, why are we, you know, why are we talking about CO2 emissions? We need to just be talking about pollution, because that's what it is. And there's pollution that can harm your body, and pollution that harms the planet, but overall it's pollution. And and he was just like, that's how you get people on board. And it was really interesting, it was really well worded, and I can see now why he was governor of California. (laughs) That guy's had an amazing life. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel really bad that he can't be president. I wonder if he would ever go for it if he was allowed. I feel like he should be allowed. I'd vote for him. <laughs> but you got to be born in America, haven't you, sir? I think so, yeah. It's why Obama should never have been president, you see, because he's born in, <laughs> in Kenya or something like that. So. Uh, I'm messing about, obviously. <laughs> so I, oh, I am... Yeah. I found the whole series relatively like it's a load of stuff I knew because I've read his books and I've read Daniel Kahneman's book. Oh right, yeah. Now on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, I read 120 pages of a Stephen Pinker book, which just goes to show how exciting my Christmas was. <laughs> so, so <laughs> yeah, I read the Blank Slate, which a friend of mine find, said it was a very problematic book, and that he read the first chapter and got angry and threw it away. So I was like, well, I'm definitely reading that then. <laughs> so, I think when someone writes a, a book with a, an argument in it, they're kind of setting themselves up to be not quite a straw man, but they're kind of, they've taken a position and then they're actively, they're, I, I'm quite comfortable with people doing that, being somewhat provocative. Mm. Like Christopher Hitchens, the uh, dearly departed Christopher Hitchens, he wrote something where well, he's been dead 10 years, so it's ages ago. Mm. And he wrote a thing 
I don't know, 15 years ago for Vanity Fair saying that women aren't mm. funny and because women don't mm. have the psychological need to be funny in the way that men do. But he even admits it in the article that he knows women that are funny. But he yeah. was just uh, just being something of a... I don't know if polemicist is the right word, but I quite... I don't mind people doing that because I sort of think, well, it's just someone's just boldly saying, here's an argument and here's some stuff. And it's like writing a thesis or an academic paper. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. never, everything is going to be absolute gospel truth. And I, I quite like people provoking a little bit. But mm. Pinker's whole thing is about how, like, you don't really impose human nature on individuals through culture. A lot of it's sort of really it's just it's genetic like so people that think that if you change a lot of cultural things you'll be able to change the human psyche he thinks are wrong basically so for example if you're like an alcoholic there's there's like a there's like a series because never just one gene is it but there's like people that have more of a genetic disposition to being alcoholics than others aren't they Uh. so the way that culture does come into it is that if you live in a culture where there's no alcohol or alcohol is like barely accessible you're less likely to become an alcoholic because those genes don't get like triggered or like so much. But if you live in a society mm-hmm. where it's plentiful, maybe you do. But it's still a genetic thing rather than a mm-hmm. like. I think person personality traits like are, are genetic as well. But yeah. but yeah, I didn't used to think that that was the case. I used to think, oh well, you just like it's because of the way you and it is because of the way you're treated. But you can only like someone's not born with an infinite amount of possibilities. I guess that's the point. You're born with some possibilities in some directions, but you're not, not everybody can be anything, you know. Yeah, I would really agree with that. I would say that, like, you probably are to some extent born, and maybe the first few years of your life or something, you kind of develop a little bit of a personality of your own. And I feel like that is, and that can be, you know, like a gentle personality or a loud and boisterous or you could be like quite outgoing or kind of shy and you see that in babies and children babies and children aren't cook they aren't just like copies of each other all babies and kids act differently from the start as well it's it's not like right right from the beginning right from the beginning they act differently like before they can even identify themselves as a self you know before they're using mirrors or anything they they will act differently than another baby and that's not necessarily to do with the mother and the father and what's going on that is just the baby so i feel like you definitely have some personality traits some very underlying personality traits that you're kind of born with i've sort of read several neurologists or so i say sort of basically say that the best thing you can do for your kids is just not be horrible to them and give them bad memories because they are basically going to just like they're going to be who they're going to be and like you can't choose mm. anyone i know that has kids and stuff they'll probably tell you that the kids are just like who they are from as soon as mm. they were born it's not that you have no effect on them, but you can't change someone's personality from inside out by just trying to mould them in a certain way. It's like there's a lot of studies of twins that are separated at birth and they find that lots of twins separate at birth because they're like genetically very... I don't know how similar they mm. are technically. Is that they 100% similar? Well, it depends on what kind of twins they well, are. Identical twins. Well, then identical twins should be identical. Yeah. Nearly like clones of each other, really. Pink is a big fan of twin studies because you can have mm. twins that are like... You know, separated at birth and in different homes and they turn out to be pretty much the same person and yet you put an adopted child into a home they won't turn out to be like the other kids like the biological kids in that home yeah because yeah, they're yeah. just you know because a lot of it is genetic i remember thinking when i first found out that i was like 
a compound of my parents' genes. I remember being really mm-hmm. angry about it <laughs> because <laughs> it was like an if affront to my, you know, originalities. Of what, what, you, but you know, unique. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not yeah. unique. You're just a couple. You're just a bit of them too. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I also went to. We're going to church, obviously, as well. And they're mm. like, oh, yeah, everyone's unique and God's made everyone. And, it was, and I was like, well, it turns out God didn't do a great deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, the stork didn't send me to this house. I am just a composite, which is like an affront to my, uh, yeah, unique. So I remember genuinely being really upset about that when I found that out. I love the way your brain works. <laughs> You say things and I'm like, I would never have thought that. <laughs> the thing, that's me thinking that when I was like seven or something as well. I know, Just, I know. Yeah. But I don't think I would have thought that when I was young either. <laughs> I thought a lot of stupid things. Well, it's not necessarily stupid. It's just different than what I'm used to maybe. Because you get used to the way your brain thinks a little bit. I'm not saying you can't grow and change, but I feel like you get used to... Why doesn't every other brain think the way I think? That's what I... Because to me... I'm just surprised. Forget thinking, why don't they think like me? I'm just surprised. It's like, oh, you don't think like me? (laughs) I don't know exactly how my brain's wired and stuff. Mm. Like, maybe there is... Maybe I'm not neurotypical. I don't know. But Mm. it's like I'm colorblind as well. So I do see colors differently. But Mm. I can't... Like, I can't borrow someone else's eyes, can I, for a day? Yeah. And just be like, yeah. oh. How colorblind are you? Probably as... Brown? Co- colorblind as any other black guy, really. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not black, but yeah. That's... <laughs> uh-huh. um, do you see browns and greys, or do you make out some colors? It's red and green. That I think it's something to do with the boundary lines or something like that, so... Well, I can see different colours, but it's like if I see red and green differently to other people, I still see what I think I see. So they might just look... Yeah, because I could say the same thing. Like, how do I know that what I interpret as green isn't your red? Exactly, yeah. But we've just learned to call them green, even though what I see is completely different than what you see. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Except like... I suppose there's a there's a little bit of science behind color coordination because wavelengths are the lengths that they're at. But it's still how your brain interprets it could still we could everybody in the world could have the same favorite color but not know it. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that says uh... something about our tribal fragmented society that maybe we actually all do have the same favorite color but yet we can't like agree on it because we uh, (laughs) because we're all talking at cross purposes so yep (laughs) but so i don't know how someone else's brain is wired so when i think i've seen something that i just imagine other people would have a similar interpretation to lots of things i i think but i know it can't be completely the same as everyone else because i'm do comedy so obviously like my Mm. absurd takes and surreal takes on things are not like if everyone felt the same way i wouldn't have a job (laughs) yeah yeah don't want to go to a hairdresser and have like three hairdressers in there and then one of them will say oh so what do you do and then i won't i won't tell them the truth probably but then it's uncomfortable Mm. because then i have to like say oh i do it or something and then there might mm. be further questions and I'll get rumbled and stuff. And My hairdresser is just like one woman in a salon and it's always just her. And I'm like, well, comfortable with that person. So she could do a very average job, but I will, I will continue going back <laughs> because um, the environment's what I go for. 
And do you not talk to her? Yeah, I do or... talk to her. Yeah. yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, she's fine, you know. Don't have a problem with her, but she, she'd have to go very wrong for me to stop going there because I'm so comfortable <laughs> with the setting. Well, that's quite nice. There's a lot to be said for just being nice sometimes, isn't it? Because, mm. you know... Is this is? Are you trying to say something? No, no, no. I knew you'd jump to that conclusion, <laughs> but it doesn't. It wouldn't hurt. Like you know, you being nice to people at the start of your class and stuff has got to be. Even if if someone went to someone that taught yoga as good as you, but the person was not very warm and didn't make any effort to say hello to everybody at the start of the class, well, you'd win that, wouldn't you? So yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> I mean, you do, but you do genuinely care, though, don't you? When you ask questions, yeah, stuff, I do actually do. care. Because I, yeah. I was, cause I was think, now, thinking that, oh, like on. that, you do genuinely sort of like whenever I tell you I've done something, like or that I've got like a booking for something or something good's happened to me, you do, you do seem genuinely happy for other people. So this <laughs> is something that I didn't realize until I was at a little bit old, so like say ten or maybe older. I was really surprised. No, I think you might even have been in my teens. I was really surprised when I found out that people aren't genuinely happy when other people have something good happen to them. Like, like almost like they're jealous. I mean, I'm not saying I'm never jealous. I think if you grew up in this country, you wouldn't think that. Like, yeah, I know, right? But I was like, oh, you mean me being ha- like, I, like when someone does? When I remember being young, like, like, like I was saying, early teens, kind of age or younger, and someone saying like, "Oh, you know, I've done this or this has happened," and I remember thinking, "Oh, that's fantastic! I'm so happy," <laughs> and I was gen, I would genuinely be as happy as if something that good had happened to me. You know what yeah. I mean? It wasn't like fake or I'm happy for you or a pat on the head. Like genuinely feel happy inside. Like why wouldn't I? Something good happened. It doesn't matter if it's not to me. I don't know. It's just, I, I think it took me a while to realize that that wasn't a normal thing. Like a lot of people don't yeah. feel genuinely happy for other people. So like when when I'm genuinely interested <laughs> and I'm genuinely happy for you, I always feel like it's a little bit of living vicariously a little bit. Yeah, I think that. Not in like, oh, I'm not going to do anything with my life because I just listen to everybody else. But like, <laughs> but like, you know, when I hear something and it's good for them, it's like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's great. I don't you know? like people living vicariously through through some, some, you know, you know like sometimes people go, oh, are you happy? And oh, you're in a relationship and... Well, that's been, well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, it doesn't mean we're fucking dancing on rainbows every day, does it? <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose there's a difference between, like, something that, like, for relationships, it's too, it's, that's too broad of a thing, I think. It has to be really specific. Like, I got a promotion, or I got a gig, or I got something that I was really working hard for, and I've managed to, you know, or it was luck, even. Mm you know or something it's just luck and it happened but I feel really good about it you know something like that maybe and it's hard to feel genuinely happy for something that's really broad or yeah like, yeah it's I know, more just like <laughs> we're just like thumbs up good job because <laughs> obviously in the in the very backbitey backstabby bitchy world of stand-up comedy which I'm involved in if someone does something like gets some success a lot of other comics sometimes they'll say oh great well done and everything but there's often a part mm. of them that thinks well that should have been me <laughs> yeah. like if people think that someone's got something at the expense of them like if I'm not on the mm. next series of life at the Apollo it would be because someone else got it 
that is a very rare scenario that that does you know that very rarely actually happens in real life yeah yeah but that's, that's how people think yeah. though like yeah. people think oh someone's like if i start getting booked for yeah. a certain club and i'm happy about it yeah. then people might think oh well that means there's less chance of me getting that so much but that's just the way it may not be necessarily true but there's that's i think that's possibly you know i'm sure Stephen pinker would say that that's wired into I- our brains that I was going to say yeah. that might be a little bit wired that because you kind of think like, well, if you have it, that means I can't have it. And on a very physical base level, if you have food, that means I don't have yeah, that food. Yeah, if you have you that woman, if you have that house. sort of like, uh, if exactly. you have that shelter, if you have that. But you know, as, hum- as adults, that isn't really very accurate these days. I mean, it's very rare that that is an actual, like you sit down and you're in an interview and there's one, you and that person are getting interviewed. It's very, very <laughs> unlikely. have to fight them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Combat style, no. Uh, but that's how that theory of like, are you getting a slice of the pie or can you make the pie bigger? There's a phrase and there's a little thing that people use in yoga quite regularly where they talk about that you have like a candle, that you're a candle or a flame, mm. and you can light a million candles and that will never, that never takes anything from you. So if you have one candle and you light another candle with it, you don't actually give that new candle anything. That candle is always just burning and if you light another one from it, it's just heat transfer the heat was going to go into the air or it goes into the other candle it doesn't there's nothing's lost you know what i mean yeah and i feel like that's kind of like the idea you should apply to your life you know you have something and just because like you're saying make the pie bigger like there's there's nothing you don't actually lose anything from being from other people gaining something or from giving something i think if you start adopting this idea that it's us or them isn't really (laughs) If you believe if you're a communist, you don't think the pie can get bigger. Do you? you just think that people are hogging the pie, and so that's like you know. But if you're a good capitalist, you think that the pie can always expand. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, are you a communist? I didn't ever ask that. So. A communist? <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, that's uh, an anathema to an American, I, isn't it? I could but. be a communist if I was going to run it. Yeah. Then I'd be a communist. If you if you let me run everything and tell everyone what to do, then I might. Yeah, well, that's what communists love to tell people what to do and what to think and stuff. Oh, and yeah, that sounds like fun. I'll do right. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it but, contradicting uh, human nature if you tell them what to think and stuff. They'll think what they think. You can only nudge. <laughs> oh, damn. But uh, depends. It's more complicated. Also, com- communist leaders tend to end up dead, don't they? I'm not sure. That's a, yeah. Yeah, they do. <laughs> bit dangerous. <laughs> Now, don't obviously not meant to take this the wrong way or anything like that. But when someone's really nice, that I always think uh, they're making because uh, you know people act nice. They're not really nice necessarily, are they? So yeah, if someone acts, if someone acts really nice, I always think, well, that's like a sign that they're trying too hard to look nice when they're not actually nice. Mm. That's what I always think. So I'm always because so, obviously though you get psychopaths, don't you? Between one and three percent of the population are psychopaths. I think you need to going to have to define psychopath. <laughs> well, isn't it the definition of someone that like lacks empathy with others and stuff? And yeah, they'll like learn behavior so that they can appear to be because they're often quite charming and stuff. But it's a lot of it's learned behavior right. to, to be able to manipulate people and stuff. But they don't actually yeah. have any. But sort of... I think as as a person, I, I mean. I would say that the majority of people can tell if someone is is genuine or not. You know, I'm not saying like 
Not in terms of like, oh, you know, if you hold the door for someone or something like that. I don't mean that. I mean, like, if you're talking to someone, you think, oh, they're really nice. And then you think like, oh, are they just doing that because they want to get something? Surely you'd be able to tell if they're like only doing it to get something, if they're not actually being genuine. People fall for it, though. Yeah. And there's loads of people in all kinds of industries, including mine, probably, that are like, yeah, you know, they know like the right things to say and the right political positions to have and platitudes to say and yeah but i would say that's obvious then that's because they don't actually have a real opinion they're just copying other people they're doing all right for themselves so it's working to a degree yeah but so for selfish reasons yeah but it works so some people think it's fake it's all fake the whole life is fake but not everyone can see that (laughs) well you might be able to see it because you might be so incredibly perceptive and you're right you know i think you're right whereas i i'm of the other bit, like I'm really incredibly suspicious of anyone that appears to be nice at all until proven otherwise. So, I mean, you were on trial for a bit, and yeah, <laughs> I don't mean that in a <laughs> but do you know, like, obviously, like, yeah, in classes and stuff like that, you seem very genuinely interested in people and genuinely happy yeah. when someone does something new and a sort of so I think that's true, but mm. like, initially, I'd sort of be thinking, she's just doing that because she wants us to come back to our classes. No, not really. But yeah, I see what you mean. Do you, you know mean. what I mean? Like, mm. we might have good bullshit detectors or just be really paranoid. But yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> but I think you probably, I mean, you do seem genuinely happy for, for because it seems too spontaneous. You know, if someone, if, yeah. if, if I say something's happened that's relatively good or even like in like a class, if someone does something for the first time and stuff, you mm. seem genuinely like really pleased about that. Mm. Although that might reflect on you a bit, mightn't it? Because you might be like, Oh, that was me that did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's what I think, but uh that's maybe. Maybe that's like subconscious. <laughs> but I think that, you know, going back to your idea about like, you know, however much of the population being psychopaths and like learning behaviors, to some extent, I would have thought that a lot of people were like that because I mean, so like w- what I find really difficult to understand is if someone will see someone in pain or suffering and that's like a cue to help them. And I don't necessarily mean like in a situation, but like maybe you see something on TV or some, anything that like ev- evokes a emotional response and like you're like, oh, you know, that's sad or that's not as horrible, you know, that kind of thing. But like I feel like for some reason people have been able to switch off their empathy for anything other than a human. And I find well, that dogs, really strange. Do- not dogs. People love dogs. So. Yeah, dogs, perhaps cats. Actually, there's a genuine, like, genuinely dogs and humans have, like, emotional connections where which are uncommon in different species where, you know, they'll have, like, one will give the other a dopamine hit or, like, a hit mm. of whatever the, you know, whatever we get when we see other people. But do you not think them. that's because we don't keep elephants as pets? No, I don't think so, no. It's, 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 no. About, it's about co-evolution for tens of thousands of years. Yeah, I don't know. I just find it a little bit odd that, you know, people say, like, they're really empathetic or something. Like, you know, if someone genuinely does feel, like, happy for other people and stuff, Mm. but then they can't extend that past humans. I find that very strange because surely anything suffering is going to be pretty horrible to to watch, you know. Yeah, it would be. But again, I think it's it's about the biological response to that, isn't it? So it's much more like if you see a human suffer then it feels more real to you because, you know, maybe it's because it could be you or or something. But I think there's genuine Mm. emotional receptors and stuff like that. 
Probably. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a scientist, am I? But I'm just <laughs> trying to say, like, it's all well and good being caring about everything, but there are some things that will elicit more of a genuine emotional reaction in you than others, yeah. and that's not because you don't care. It's just it's because it's biology. Well, that's funny that you say that, because I was watching um, David Amber's new The Green Planet. Yeah. That's what it's called. The ones with all the plants. And he was, I had a conversation with my hubby because we watched one episode and he takes some tweezers and he squashes a plant's leaf and then that causes a reaction and he called it a simplified nervous system. It causes a reaction throughout the rest of the plant for the plant to release a chemical uh, to defend itself from more insects that want to eat it or whatever. Basically it makes itself taste bad so you don't want to eat it. So that plant will do that against maybe a little caterpillar or whatever. Mm. But what I said to Andrew my hobby. Uh, what I said to him was, um, how is that any different than us feeling pain? Like that plant has interpreted damage and then it doesn't want to be damaged anymore. And it, it sends signals through its the rest of its body to make all the leaves and the whole plant untasty to try and be not damaged anymore. And he was saying that we have a brain that interprets it, interprets our damage as pain Whereas the plant doesn't have anywhere else to send the signals. It's so simplified that it's more like mixing bicarbon vinegar. It's just a reaction that happens when those cells break. Those cells break and some liquid comes out and that liquid reacts with other liquid in the plant and causes that reaction. And in a way, that's a defense mechanism. But it's not thinking about it. It's not choosing it. And I was like, hmm. Because it was like, oh, it's so sad. I don't want to eat plants anymore. I just, I'm just not going to eat. I'm just going to eat berries. I'm going to be fruititarian. <laughs> well, berries. Do berries want you oh. eating them? I mean, because in the old days, berries and stuff used to be much harder to eat than the ones that we consider natural now because we've just done so much mm. selection over. Because I remember reading about, talking about things being poisonous and not wanting to eat. You know, our almonds are poisonous in the natural world, aren't they? Oh, yeah, I've heard Because that. that's why, yeah. wasn't it arsenic or cyanide? Cyanide comes from almond, doesn't it? Right, so the natural yeah. state of an almond is poisonous because they don't want to be eaten. But there was a genetic mutation at some point that we discovered and we ended up cultivating the ones that didn't poison you. Yeah, but even though fruitarians do tend to eat nuts, nuts aren't made to be eaten. They're made to be taken to be eaten, but hopefully forgotten about. If that makes sense. So, oh, so mean, animals like, like squirrels stuff. will take them, bury more, way more than they need, only eat half of them, and then the rest hopefully grow into little trees. Whereas like berries, they Ooh. hope that you can eat it and not digest the seeds. And then when you go your business, you take the seeds wherever you've been. So they are made to be eaten, whereas nuts aren't technically. It's just relying on the forgetfulness of other animals, isn't it? You're just ho- hoping that squirrel has got like a busy schedule or like, <laughs> a demanding job. That, yeah, yeah. Know, yeah, that's it. I do wonder whether some of like, we all maybe learn a bit of good behaviour because we're rewarded for being nice and good, but that's not to say that you don't genuinely feel happy about things. Mm. But one thing that you know, coming going on from like Dawkins and Pinker and stuff about like genetic traits being passed down and stuff mm. like that, you could say that human mankind or Homo sapiens or whatever. We are Homo sapiens, aren't we? Well, I would say sapiens, but you know. <laughs> Is that an American thing? I don't know. Do you still say aluminium or aluminum? Do you? Aluminum. Yeah, well, maybe it's... I say words wrong all the time. I say words wrong and then I can just use the fact that I'm American. 
or use the fact that I'm British and then anyone can be happy with it. <laughs> yeah, you got a perfect get out there. I know, right? Yes. I don't have that. I just had the fact that I was brought up in a family that didn't use long words and I never read them. <laughs> a bit monosyllabic. <laughs> so, yeah, so. Yeah. No, they weren't like grunting. Uh, if they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, you yeah. wanted tea? Okay. <laughs> In our, in our bone china mugs. But there would be an, a case to say, I think, well, maybe I've read this. I don't know. Mm. It's just an argument anyway. I mean, all things are arguments. What's, you know, what's definitive? But there was, it seems to me that it makes sense that yeah. like altruism and and love, the capacity to love, is, is something that would be self-selected. Because if you are a more cooperative species, you're more likely to survive than ones yeah. that... So if you have like bonds of friendship and love between your kin, you're much more likely to survive as a species than people that don't mm. like have the capacity to like each other at all. Because one of the main reasons that the species managed to develop as much as possible is due to cooperation and yeah. and like also the um i remember when i read Sap- sapiens the <laughs> i read that yovel new horror do you ever read that it's very i haven't i i saw it but i haven't read it yeah. I, it's, I, a, it's an easy read yeah. and it's like but it's very like you know like it's it's a snapshot of humankind it's mm. it's a good read though but one of the things he says in that is that the capacity to tell stories and to buy into myths among each other is another reason why humankind managed to develop so much because if you can tell a story like oh well, we're all doing this for like a higher power for example then mm. you know people are more likely to work for the future than they are just for that, that current sort of yeah. and be cooperative because well, we're all under the same garden so in some other sense there could be like the self-selection for people that are more religiously minded if you had like mm. those if you had traits that you were like susceptible to religious ideas and spiritual feelings then you know maybe humankind has been self-selected for that kind of trait in someone yeah so i think like when you feel spiritual and stuff now but we live in a secular age there's still like a yearning to have some sort of spiritual side to you even though you might be an atheist and, and you think that's because like it would be nice in a, in a very basic sense it's good to we survive better as a whole in a group so we want to feel connected to something sort of but i think we, we actually have to the, live that close we probably got anymore. the genetic need for it because we self-selected yeah. for it at some point when we you know were telling yeah. each other these stories because the people that thought it was bollocks were just like ah fuck that and just like <laughs> went off into the desert and died you know, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That could answer why people care less about animals than we do about ourselves as well, because it could t- stem from that idea that we you know we we stick together in our little tribes and our packs, and we're more likely to survive. If you start caring about everything, you're less likely to survive, aren't you? So, yeah, can't please everybody. Can't please everybody. and everything. So, <laughs> so in a way, like that's that's what love is, isn't it? It's just it's an evolved trait. but that doesn't mean you can feel any less of for having it but because you can sort of like you know you would say oh love's just this thing that's like an emotion that's a trait that's but it doesn't actually come from god and it's not actually mystical and stuff Mm. you you might make you think well i feel like i'm being duped into thinking (laughs) this this sort of thing but you should just maybe just feel it and just be like you know happy with that just if you explain it away you may you can kind of 
not devalue it, but like demystifying mm. it and makes it feel a bit. It makes it feel less special then, doesn't so it? So happy Valentine's Day, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> happy Valentine's Day. It's all lie. <laughs> Made up by your brain and your hormones. <laughs> yeah, or it's lust. Because obviously, you know, you're self-selecting mm. for lustful qualities and stuff because obviously you, you're not going to procreate yeah. if blah, 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 blah. Which I'm not going to procreate either. So, so then what? <laughs> well, I said to you that my jokes are my children. Yeah, there you go. And they're often a source of disappointment. So, I mean, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no one else likes them as much as me. It's exactly the same. So. Exactly the same as children. Do you not feel like you have? Aren't your students sort of like you? Do you not think like you have some sort of maternal, maternal, love yeah, for maternal instincts? All my student kids. <laughs> sort of. I don't mean that in a sort of like, a, and obviously I end up throwing myself in the mix there. And stuff, but you, you, you know, you watch them develop and grow and stuff like that. And then maybe they flee the nest at some point when they realize that they can do more than you. And <laughs> they can similar? do better. Yeah, I, don't. I think so. I think it's, a, it's, it's, it's similar in the sense when you help anyone, I suppose, is like, you know, on a very small, on a more practical scale. Like, yeah, you have kids and then you help them. And you don't have kids, but you could help other people. So, yeah. Do you think it probably releases the same hormones and stuff like that when you see... I think there's a lot less worry. I don't worry about you. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> you're, a, you're a good friend and all, but I don't stay up late worrying if you're out late at night. <laughs> I often am. I'm often driving. 1am <laughs> stuff. You should be worrying. I I, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mm. I think if he, if I had a baby, I'd be worrying more. But other yeah, than that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, that's all the love stuff. So, do you want to get off right. then? I was thinking I might get off now. Yeah, yeah, do that. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, if you did, feel very welcome to tell your friends and anyone you know, or give us a nice review. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe and all those things that people say at the end of podcasts in the sort of marketing section, which I imagine 50% of you would have known was coming as soon as I said something and quickly pressed skip or stop or something. Anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's definitely all I've got to say. Have a good day.